Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of the Away Days podcast. I am Nate Moore. Joining me on the pod this evening, my co-host for the foreseeable future, uh, unless Auburn beats Georgia later this year and we uh, I have to replace him, is Laith Land. Laith, how we doing? Doing pretty good, and I don't think that that'll be too much of a concern, if I had to guess. Well, uh, so as Laith and I have had a real heck of a time getting this podcast set up here um, for our first one. But um, before we get into too much of what's going on, if you haven't listened to our brief trailer that's out on Spotify at the moment, still waiting for Apple Podcasts to kick in, um, this is the Away Days podcast, um, a football from both sides of the Atlantic-centered podcast. Laith and I used to have a podcast called The Relegation Zone where we talked just international soccer um, even a little bit of, of, of French League, if you can believe it. But we're both huge college football and NFL fans. Laith, a graduate of the – it's not University of Auburn. It's Auburn University. And right. I myself, a UGA grad, go dogs, um, and both big NFL fans. So we figured you know, we couldn't, we couldn't possibly combine all of our um, college and NFL fandoms into that one soccer podcast. So we rebranded under the more umbrella away days, focusing on both sports. So – and so without further ado, let's get into some American football, but not the type uh, you might think, college football or NFL. We'll get into that in a little bit later. But U.S. men's national team soccer lay. CONCACAF World Cup qualifying going on as we speak. Um, and the men, U.S. men's national team actually has their third match day um, of the final round of qualifying tonight. But a disappointing start um, to the final round of the qualifying process after two draws in their first two matches, one against El Salvador in a goalless bout um, down in South America, and then a 1-1 draw against Canada. So, Laith, it's not really going out on a limb saying that's a disappointment, but in your opinion, should we really be disappointed in this? I know the U.S. team now boasts a lot of European talent from your favorite league over in the Bundesliga, but I guess what's the most disappointing part about these first two games so far? Is it that this talent we expected to be so much better is underperforming yeah I think that's the big thing you know and, and it's also because we've had a taste of that success you know we watched the two tournaments this summer where the U.S. played some of the best soccer that we've played in years you know it wasn't that kind of too direct style that we used to play where we just launch uh, long balls into the box and hope for the best it was tiki-taka style possession-based soccer because we had the talent for it now and we executed really well so I think seeing these two draws is something that's a little bit shocking to those of us that watched the summer and expected a lot more, but I don't think it's something to be too worried about because everyone's getting back into club play. You know, they, not that they lost chemistry, but you know, they spent times with their other teams and started focusing on other things. So I think once we get back into consistent international play, things will start to look up a lot. Well, it's going to be hard for some of the biggest stars on the U S men's national team to get back into that groove because uh, announced um, today or yesterday, Weston McKinney, arguably the best player on this roster, maybe Christian Pulisic or uh, Gio Reyna might have something to say about that. But McKinney dismissed from the team by head coach Greg Berghalter, 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 <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Dismissed, yeah, that's got to be it. Dismissed from the team for breaking the dreaded COVID bubble rules. We almost got a little uh, lemon pepper loo situation on our hands. Throwback to the NBA bubble. Um, I don't think Weston was was dipping out to get some chicken wings, but word on the street is brought somebody over to the hotel when he wasn't supposed to, and now he's back home at Juventus for the remaining of this um, international break. So, Leith, Weston McKinney's up there. How bad, you know, as, as one of the biggest 
and most important players on the team. How bad is this going to hurt the United States going forward in these next couple of games? It's going to be tough because he's really the guy that you want that dominates the game in the uh, in the midfield. You know, he's kind of the U.S. version of Leon Goretzka. You know, a big physical physical presence, somebody that just dominates on possession and has good physicality when playing defense. So I think that that's going to be something that we really miss out on. I think we're a little thin in the midfield. Most of the young talent is on the wings or it's striker. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I think we're going to be, he's going to be a key piece that we're really going to rely on going forward. And it's going to be tough to have him miss out. Yeah, I agree. I think, again, one of the biggest players on the team, I think if you had to pick the absolute last player you'd want to lose, you'd probably say Pulisic, who again has actually missed time in this qualifying window. So things aren't exactly looking up for the U.S. Men's National Team at this moment. But, you know, with or without Winston McKinney, it's kind of put up or shut up time for this team as they're in their third match day of this international break. And, you know, they can't afford to fall too far behind what is probably the toughest CONCACAF qualifying group we've seen in decades with Canada, your boy Alfonso Davies, leading them from the midfield, I guess. Surely they're not wasting him at a left back, uh, probably the best player, you know, on the continent over there. So, but again, Canada, Mexico, Costa Rica, not for, not to mention Panama, who actually knocked the U.S. out of the qualifying process last year. So, you know, not panic mode yet for the United States, but they've got to get back on track sooner rather than later. Um, but speaking of getting back on track, Atletico Madrid last season recaptured the Liga title after several years of wallowing behind Barca and Real Madrid. And now they get a lot better thanks to what I think is one of the most underrated transfer uh, summers of any major club. And so, Laith, I want to talk about underrated moves uh, from 2021 this summer. Packed a ton of huge transfers. We'll get to Messi. We'll get to Ronaldo. Even Jaden Sancho getting kind of forgotten in the weeds a little bit. But I want to start with, again, perhaps... It's actually unbelievable to think of this as an underrated move or a move that flies under the radar because a season ago, or maybe even three seasons ago, this would have been the headline move of the summer. But Atletico bring back Antoine Griezmann from the sinking ship, dumpster fire, dog shit on fire, whatever you want to call (laughs) Barcelona. They bring him back and add him to a team that, again, is defending La Liga champions. What does he add to that team, and does he cement Atleti as title retaining favorites or would Real Madrid and Barca have something to say about that? You know, I, I don't know if it's him in general that cements them as the favorites, just because I think that Barca and Real both had windows that didn't improve their team much at all in Barca's case and maybe marginally in Real's case. But I, you're right. He's a guy that he's a goal scorer and uh, you did, you see him at Barca and you don't really think that because he never really fit into the, the type of philosophy they, they were planning to play over there. But, you know, when he was at Atleti, he was that guy that was always at the front lines. He almost became more of a target man than he was at Barca and was just add, able to add a whole lot more, I guess, I guess just a lethal shot to that, to that attack. Just someone that you could always depend on to score goals. And I think putting him in the mix with a couple other talented forwards, you know, Suarez came also from Barcelona uh, last, last summer. And then and he you got the young difference. one, Yao Felix. Yeah. So you got, you got a whole – there's a plethora of talent for them to choose from. They're going to be able to rest players for games that maybe they had to play last year. So this team's looking real deep, and he's going to add to that depth uh, immensely. Real quick before we move on, though, UCL title hopes? Or is that getting ahead of getting ahead of ourselves there? Remember, I actually did have Atleti <laughs> pick to win the UCL, or at least make it to the final, I think, last year. We won't, we won't dig that old podcast up. But 
<laughs> I I don't know. I wouldn't say that. I, I they're not my favorite. All right. I don't know if I would put them there, but I don't think it would be a good idea to rule them out. You're right because they're just so deep and so talented now. All right. Well, with that said, Lath, who you got as uh you know one underrated or you know a move that is more easily forgotten in a window of, of huge major moves. Which one really sticks out to you? Well, you know, I looked back at it, and it's one that kind of got just buried under all the other moves. I mean, we could talk all day about, uh, I think we both agree that PSG probably had the best window of no, Hold on, don't get ahead of ourselves. We got that coming up. We got that coming up. The oh, best I know, window, I know. Window. But, well, but this is obvious, though. That's, that's like, when you look at their moves, but I think when you dissect it and really look at what they did, uh, one that sticks out that I think people forget about is uh, uh, Wijnaldum. Wijnaldum from Liverpool signing on a free. I think when you look at PSG, you think of the Messi moves or the 60 million Hakimi. And yeah, those are the star players that you look at and go, man, they can impact the squad. But Wijnaldum was really, for a while, he was kind of the, the heartbeat of that Liverpool side. And really, like whether it was pressing or maintaining possession, he did it all in the midfield and was a leader and just went about his business. I think that's a sneaky good signing that most people aren't going to give them credit for. Yeah, I'm with that. I'm with that. And again, super easy to forget that one, especially since he probably is the fourth most notable transfer on that team this summer. Uh, but you're right. I think he very well may end up, you know, besides Messi, very well may end up being um, the most impactful. Um, but real quick, want to run through a couple um, other ones that I just wanted to throw out. Kamavinga to Real. I actually forgot that even happened in a t- until I saw a Real Madrid Instagram post today um, of Kamavinga's first day at training. Um, Manuel Locatelli to Juve, somebody that my Arsenal wanted. I managed to make it 10 minutes into the podcast before I introduced that I'm an Arsenal fan. Um, we'll, have, <laughs> we'll have much more of that content in a little bit. But Locatelli to Juve, I think he's really going to help them, especially in a year where you know they're definitely trying to bounce back after their worst Serie A finish in well, how many years has it been that they won the league in a row? Like 10, 11? Something like that. Something Too like many. That. Um, and then lastly, Dan James from Manchester United to Leeds. Manchester United, as we'll get to um, in best window, worst window, really filled up on talent up front, and that just kind of pushed Dan James out to the side. But I think he's going to be a big player for Leeds coming up this season. Yeah, I agree. I think that he's someone that he didn't seem to quite measure up to what Manchester United wanted him to do. And, you know, he got lost in that depth. Way too many attacking options. Leeds is somebody where I think he can really, after his experience with a big club, he can come in and really make a difference. All right, so that brings up transfer window winners. That's, you know, the article you're going to see at the end of every transfer window. And perhaps ahead of that on the pecking order in terms of the biggest headlines, transfer window losers. Lath. In order to speed up the process here, I'll let you take loser, I'll take winner, but go ahead, drop it on us. In your opinion, who lost this season's transfer window? I really, looking back at it, I think there's really only one loser, and it's got to be Barca. I mean, just talk about talent lost. You got Messi going the other way. You got Griezmann going, not for a lot of money either. I mean, that's a loan fee, but still, it's just someone that it's just the moves that they make, it doesn't make any sense. And when I look at this, I'm almost grading it from a point of two windows, not just one. You remember they brought in Miralem Pjanic last year and gave up Arthur. That was a $60 million deal. That was a big swing. And now just a year later, they're already sending him to Besitkas, no less. So, you know, all the talent that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone's finally listening. It's finally paying off. But you know, they just, they lost way too much. All of their signings now, I mean, obviously some of this is attributed to the pandemic, so you can give them a little bit of a pass, but just free transfers. Memphis Depay, someone who failed at Manchester United, and yeah, he reignited his career, but 
I don't know. I don't see – this is not a Barcelona team to me with this transfer window that is going to be able to compete for much going forward. Yeah, I mean, shitstorm, dumpster fire, hot garbage, Arsenal, whatever you want to call Barca, it's not – it is not a, <laughs> so, uh, a good few months for them. It's funny. We're, we're about to just start using Arsenal as an adjective for bad when we describe other men windows. Just they're pulling an Arsenal. It's come, it's come to that point. Yeah, Spursy for a long time has been one of my my favorite phrases, but Arsenal's getting there. Um, and again, how far we make it, 15-ish minutes, 14 and a half before I have to get into it. But all right, Lath, this, when we spoke a few weeks ago about trying to get the podcast gang back together, get things going once again, one of the main reasons, I'm not going to lie, is so I had a place to vent about Arsenal. And I promise we're getting to football, American football, here in just a second. So I don't want to lose half of our viewers before we even get there. But just some quick notes. Worst start in 67 years, 0-3, 9 goals conceded, 0 scored. You may say, oh, you know, just 3 games, you know, newish manager, one of those games, a loss to newly promoted Brentford, a 2-0 beatdown um, in which I can't even blame Scott and Mustafi anymore. He's not even there, so i got to find new guys to blame. Um, <laughs> a transfer window where the club, albeit I think made a lot of the right signings, but spent $150 million on players who evidently haven't made us any better. Um, again, I don't disagree with the signings per se, because I think it's a, a project rebuild, um, but it's kind of hard to get behind the project rebuild when this is the fifth year since we've been in the Champions League. Um, first year not in Europe, period. I think I'd bite your arm off Europa League right now. Um, not so much of the European Conference League, whatever that thing is that Spurs are in. Um, <laughs> leave it to an Arsenal fan to find a way to not want to be in a European competition purely because Spurs are in it. Um, but... <laughs> Luckily, have it, well, maybe not even luckily. I was actually thrilled with the international break because I didn't have to watch them. Um, got to watch the, uh, you know, you're down bad when, you, you know, you're running from Arsenal right into the U.S. men's national team who can't score either. So, but they've got, they've got Norwich this weekend on, I believe that is Saturday morning. Um, again, newly promoted side, chance to get back on track, but we saw what Brentford do, did to us. But, I'll kick it to you, Leith, before we move on. Somebody who is not enthralled in the club's ups and downs like I am. What the hell is up with Arsenal from from, from your perspective? I don't know because, you know, I, I've criticized the business in the past. You know, whenever y'all spent the 80 mil on uh, Nicolas Pepe, I thought, man, that is just, that's a desperate club move. He's not worth that much. But then you look at the, the past couple windows, and it seems like they've started to get things right. You know, they started investing in young talent. I really thought that Saliba, uh, Saliba, however you say his name, that he would have Saliba. got at least, yeah, I thought he'd at least have some type of role by now. But if I'm not mistaken, y'all sent him back out on loan again, right? Yeah. Third yeah, time I, out on I just, I just, I don't know. It seems like they've started making the right moves, and things just aren't clicking. They aren't finishing games, and I know you watch a lot more than me, so you know a lot more what they go on or what goes on tactically over there. It just seems like there's a whole lot of nothing and a whole not a lot of initiative going on uh, in those games. So I don't know. It's it's, it's a weird situation for me, and it's got to be pretty tough for you. Oh, it's unbelievably tough. Unbelievably tough. But at least I have other things to look forward to 
um, college football, NFL being one of them. But before we get that far, I'll give you a quick chance, Lath, to introduce your Bayern fandom to the audience. Bayern off to a pretty good start. The Bundesliga behind the other major leagues a bit. I think only played two games so far. Yeah, just two. Yeah, but both wins for the Bavarian Giants um, in a big matchup with RB Leipzig, who honestly hasn't had the start I think we all expected. Maybe because they're missing Marcel Sabitzer. But yeah, <laughs> uh, give us give us a little lowdown on on your Bayern fandom, how you became a fan, and uh, I guess give us some give us a take for the season. What are the expectations? Oh man, well I, I guess I started brooding for Bayern back in. Uh, back in sixth grade, that's when we all kind of started to get into soccer, our immediate friend group. And you had the uh, and, the wisdom to actually t- pick a winning team, unlike me. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, it's really vague how it happened. I mean, I, I had always had some German heritage, not enough to warrant pulling for Okay, him, I was but, about to say, dude, you're about as German yeah, as a dang hot dog. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> I was trying to make a schnitzel joke or something. I, I don't yeah. know. It's It's the adaption, whatever. Uh, I had this some this some of my uh, dad and mom's side actually, but that's besides the point. I don't know. I, I I said, "Oh, is there any good German teams?" And someone casually mentioned Bayern, and I said, "Okay, I'll start rooting for them." And I have not deviated from that since sixth grade. I have not deviated from it. Not that it's been too difficult to, but I think now when I look at what we do, I think you may agree with me. I think Bayern is one of the better run clubs in Europe. Uh, financially responsible, they make a lot of good moves, a lot of good deals. So, and, and this window, especially, I mean, when you just look at the, the pure, va- from a value standpoint, you get Marcel Sabitzer for 15 mil, worth 45 mil. You get Diadu Upamecano, worth 65 mil, save 20 mil on his price tag with the release clause. These are just smart, very Bayern-esque moves. And it, granted, it was to fill holes. We lost Alaba. That was something that was concerning for me. But I think the expectation to compete in the Champions League is still there. Uh you you know me i <laughs> the league really takes kind of a backseat to the champions league in my mind i have that luxury uh you do not unfortunately but we don't have any luxury we like <laughs> we're only in the league we can't we can't focus on anything Just else there. we're going to focus on the carabao cup like <laughs> <laughs> remember nobody cares about the carabao uh but yeah yeah this i think this is a team that we have a lot of the, lot i get, we have a lot more versatility and that's where sabitzer comes in when Clubs are spending lavish amounts to provide depth, and Bayern doesn't want to get in those games and compete for that. That's when you want to sign somebody like a Sabitzer who can play multiple positions, who can play out wide or can play at a CDM whenever you want to give Kimmich a break. So Bayern is a club that I think is run white. There's expectations every year, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this year because I think we have a really talented squad. Yeah, do probably have one of the most talented squads in Europe. Again, Champions League winners a couple seasons ago um, so not a shock at all to expect Byron up at the top but before we switch over to some picks from the footballing nations of the world Byron's not really shaking things anything up they're a team that everybody expects to be at the top but who in your opinion this summer and I'll let you go first had a transfer window that shakes things up that either moved from the top lost some ground on some other teams or perhaps one that has put their name in the conversation for potentially a UCL or a league title? Uh, well, I was hoping that you and me picked someone else, but it's looking like we had kind of the same thoughts here. Uh, I thought Manchester United was really a team that made some moves that put them in contention. You know, they, we talked about Sancho. I feel, gosh, I feel like that saga has been going on for like the past three years. 
to finally bring him and get him to uh, to United. But to see that finally come in and knowing what he's able to do from witnessing it firsthand in the Bundesliga and then bringing in a guy like Varane, you know, they have Maguire. He's kind of, we, we, I was a little iffy on him at first, but then he kind of grew into his role. Varane is someone that I think very highly of. Uh, I don't know if you feel the same way or not, um, but it just seems like this is really a year where they looked at the transfer window and they really balanced out the team. And when you look at this United team, and then to top it all off, almost forgetting bringing in Ronaldo to kind of be that target man, um, I think this is a team that really has the depth and the balance overall that we've not seen from them in the past, and they could do a real like a lot with that going forward. Yeah, well, Manchester United this summer were in a spot where Arsenal want to be in about four years, where they've been able to build on two or three solid seasons in a row to now heading into this summer. Their squad was at a point where one or two signings and they become a title contending team. And they did exactly that by plugging those two holes, getting Rafael Varane, getting Jaden Sancho, and then just kind of throwing some icing on the cake with Cristiano Ronaldo, who they may have signed just purely to keep Man City from getting him, which is, again, a thing you can afford to do when you're already in a good spot. But completely agree with United. Quickly, I'll add um, a team that moved the other way, whose stock is falling heavily um, despite two wins to start the season, granted in Serie A against some middling competition. Enter my my favorite Serie A team. Uh, I won't waste too much time explaining how I got into that fandom because it isn't much of a story, really. But I needed somebody to watch other than Arsenal. Um, but yeah, let go the likes of Lukaku and Hakimi. Granted, for good money on both, although Hakimi basically left for the same price that they bought him for just a season ago. Um, and I thought he really was one of Inter's better players. Thought they could have got more for him, but hey, COVID market, you get what you can get. Um, but again, they lost those two guys and really didn't replace either of them. I know they signed Ed and Jeko from whatever hole he was hiding under, um, but I, I forgot he. Pl- I knew he made a stop in Roma at some point in the last decade, and way back when, when Man City was still wearing Umbro kits, he used to play for them. Um, but. You know, been a while, been a while since we checked in with old Ed and Jekko. I think he's like 34. So, um, and obviously lost manager Antonio Conte, who is being, you know, praised and begged for by Arsenal fans to come and take that job in North London. He don't want no part of that job. He does not <laughs> want any part of that. But bring in um, Italian legend Inzaghi. Is the first name Federico, or am I just? Um, no. I think it's Simon Simone Simone, Inzaghi. Simone. Simone. yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, no Italian heritage in your background. That's for damn sure. But um, bring in Inzaghi, who you know remains to be seen what they can do. But it'll be tough sledding, I think, for Inter after losing those guys. But let's round things out here in the European football sphere. What's highlighting some of the biggest games? coming up this weekend. This was a segment that we briefly kind of started back when we had the relegation zone pod of having a little predictor segment, just something to, you know, spice things up a little bit, uh, keep a tally, you know, have a little reason to tra- talk some trash. I'm going to trash some talk. Although I kind of like that. It kind of goes hard. Trash some talk <laughs> as we you move see. through the season. Um, so given that we're going to have college football up in just a second and then NFL following that, I think we're going to take three picks from each of the three sports, the biggest games in the upcoming weekend, starting with Manchester City at Leicester. Um, Man City, again, title contender. Hopefuls, Leicester, really have replaced Arsenal as the fourth or fifth best team in the Prem. So, Laith, who you got in this one? Uh, This is one, you said it's at Leicester, right? Yeah, the King Power Stadium. Yeah, King Power Stadium is going to do them a little good. I think they might sneak two goals in, but I think City's just, 
too hot right now. 3-2 is my prediction for that game. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, like a good blue-on-blue match, which we're going to get here. Um, Man City perhaps displaying some of those new sick away kits they got. Uh, but I'm with you. Uh, 2-1 City there. Moving on to a team that's close to your heart that we teased a little bit, Bayern at Leipzig. A year ago, or maybe a little further than that when Timo Werner was still on the side for Leipzig, would have been really jacked up about this game. But Bayern going to Bayern and, you know, rob the Bundesliga of all its best talent like the vampire that they are and Marcel Sabitzer okay. having left from Leipzig. I'm feeling a big win, even though it's over in Leipzig. I'm thinking 3-0 Bayern. Lay, I'll be surprised if you honestly don't go bigger than that. Uh, no, I don't see how that's the case. Uh, I mean, yeah, I could defend the vampire thing all day. It didn't really work out as much this year, though. But I think Bayern still, I mean, I think Leipzig still has a pretty deep squad and they did a lot of good business. And it's always going to be tough there, especially Nagelsmann. Emotions are going to be high going back to his old club. Uh, I think we barely squeak by with a win 2 1. Okay. There's a couple of 2 1 picked here for us. And then lastly, another team that you lean toward a little bit. Not Lazio, but they travel to the shitty half of Milan, the red half of Milan. Oh. <laughs> um, and we'll we'll get ready for the Milan derbies later on, fans listening to the pod. Those will, those are heated weeks. God, we're going to have Auburn, Georgia. Oh. We're going to have Inter AC Milan. God, I hope we never end up with Bayern Arsenal because that's not going to be pretty. But who you got? Lazio at AC Milan. Milan off to a really hot start in the Serie A, by the way, with two wins. Uh, this might be where the winning streak ends. Uh, Lazio, I know they've lost their coach, and that was a big part of what made them special, but they still have the players. I think this is going to end up being a draw for Milan. I think it's going to be 2-2. Okay, well, I had Milan 2-1, but just despite you, I'll give you a draw. I'll say 1-1. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to be feeling You might sick. as well spite me. That's the only reason you pull for Inter, by the way, everybody, because I'm partly a Milan fan Nathan decided to go the other route just out of spite, and that's that's the story. It's a part of the reason, but the blue and black looks so much better. You can't even cap on that. It looks so much better than red and black. <laughs> Coming from a guy whose college football team is a red and black, but AC Milan's red is different, not, not as good-looking red. But talked about the dogs, the real red and black. That's the story from the college football weekend as we transition over to the United States half. You like what I did with our pod logo, Lake? Got the U.S. in the top left, Europe in the bottom right. Um, so we're making that trek over to the Southeastern Conference where both you and I is a new – this is a new thing for us having a podcast about this sort of thing. But college football is freaking back. It's actually been back for a little bit if you count week zero. Shout out UCLA Hawaii. Um, do you remember that? Do you remember that? Uh, that I think – I don't know. This is pre-TikTok. I think this is an Instagram story or something where – I don't remember the gist, but – Hawaii beat some team down, and it said, like, how are you going to go get your cheeks clapped by Moana and company? Do you remember oh, that? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I remember that. that had... <laughs> the Rainbow <laughs> Freaking Warriors. Well, they didn't do any any cheek clapping against UCLA. UCLA did it to them, and then they turned right around and did it to LSU. So all over the place here. College football is back. But, Laith, biggest takeaway from the weekend, how, how just happy are you to have the football as we know it back? Oh, I'm just absolutely ecstatic. And, you know, it, it was a surprising weekend because in years past when the game has been shifting so quickly to an offensive game, teams are opening it up. You're 40, 50 points is the norm for some teams now. It was kind of a defensive slugfest for the first weekend of college football. A lot of really close games. I know the Georgia-Clemson one, which you're obviously elated about. But then you got to look at the Penn State-Wisconsin. And um, 
there was another game that was uh, it was like a one or two score. Uh, yeah, Virginia Tech and UNC game finishing with Virginia Tech winning 17-10. So a lot of teams where you'd think you'd expect offense to be the uh, the kind of thing that rules the day, defense was a large part of this first weekend, which is very interesting to see, at least for me. I mean, you had a ton of – you talk about one-score games. You had a ton of – I mean, Oklahoma staying tight with yeah. Tulane. Um, yeah. You know – Look across the board, Mississippi State hanging on by one point to beat Louisiana Tech. Um, actually had the actually had a had Louisiana Tech and the points there, um, so that was a nice dub for the kid on that one. But so before, as you mentioned, I did go to the Georgia Clemson game, and here in a sec, I'm going to go deep on what that was like to be back at a football game, a full capacity football game for the first time in a long time. But what was your college football experience like? Uh, you know, what did you kind of you crash on the couch at the parents' house. I know you're back back at home. Uh, you know, watch it with any boys. How how was your football weekend? It was good. It was a it was a relaxing first weekend. I basically, you know, I wake up the moment that uh, game day comes on at nine o'clock here at Eastern Time. So I got up, watched the full game day show, all of that. It's it's kind of you know, I, I wasn't a big fan of Rinaldi back when he was on the show. I didn't dislike him, but I think now that he's not there, it's a little bit of a hole. You know, because he, he was one of those guys, he always brought too much of a an emotional aspect for me. But when it's not there, you begin to miss it a little bit. So just a little side note there. But I basically, the whole weekend, you're right, I was st- sat firmly on the couch and watched games from dawn to dusk for the for the, uh, for the the three days. Yeah, if, if I wasn't in Charlotte, that's exactly what I would have been to, doing too. I love a good 12 hours of just sitting on your ass watching, watching some ball. But... Um, and that's one of the things you miss out on, you know, when you do go to games. I really didn't get to catch a ton of the earlier matchups. Um, of course, the Georgia Clemson game was the primetime ABC uh, night game. Um, but you know, I did. We were we were in this. You talk about you talk about waking up um, right when college game day started. So here's here's how my weekend went. So get straight off work. Um, in Augusta, Georgia, which is where I live, making the drive to Charlotte really not bad at all. It's about a two-hour drive um, on Friday. Get there, go out, have a good time, um, come back to the hotel, and you know, again, we talked about how we're both recently graduated from college, so a lot of old college habits die really hard. And this was—I had one <laughs> this weekend that died the hardest because um, I realized. You know, I'm not old at 22, but I'm also not 18 anymore. And there's certain things that my body can't just just can't vibe with anymore. So, oh no! In this hotel, in this hotel, we got we got four. Let's see, we got five guys in this one bed hotel room downtown. Couldn't have been a better spot. Could walk to the stadium, walk to the bars, awesome place. But we got five guys in here, king bed, um, plus pull out couch, two guys in each of those, and then me. Somehow I get stuck not being in either of those, but. One of one of those spots would have been in in the bed with Wilbur, who lay knows who I'm talking about. Just by the name, listeners, you probably guess Wilbur's not a guy you want to spend a night next to. Just just beware. So anyway, Dang. we're taking. I know I'm just Wilbur slander on here. He's not going to listen. So okay. um, he's an LSU fan anyway. He he has nothing to talk about. Yeah, there's the first but, problem. Anyway, so pull out couch. We take the couch cushions, lay them on the floor. But again, it's like two separate. So I'm like sleeping on two unconnected islands you know one under my ass one under like my shoulders basically um and trying to sleep like that and not only that but i don't have a blanket so what do you do what's a man to do it's cold you know you can't you can't sleep cold 
grab two hotel bath towels out of the uh, oh. out of the bathroom and use those. Now, night two post game was much better. Had a nice liquor jacket on uh, Saturday night as well, but. <laughs> Um, but man, Charlotte was awesome. Like again, pin, I'm still feeling the effects, the back pain mostly. Um, but it was, it was a great time. Um, and again, always nice to see a big, I mean, not even a big, huge win for the dogs, but my bias aside as kind of as the neutral, what did, what did you really make of that primetime matchup? Oh, it was, man, it was a lot. And it was, it was so irritating. <laughs> being an Auburn fan and watching this because, you know, I watched our game. We're obviously in transition. And, you know, I was feeling pretty good. We had a big win. We took care of business the way that I hoped we would. And I was like, ah, you know what? We, we might have a little bit in us. You're going to let and yourself feel good to... about Akron, though. <laughs> I know, I know that I was trying to keep myself uh, rooted and telling myself it's Akron. But, you know, a lot of times Auburn plays the level of competition anyway. So even if it would have been Akron in years past, we probably would have only won by like two touchdowns with Gus. But that's beside the point. I go and I'm feeling good. I'm good. I look at that game and I think, man, this Georgia team is a team I don't even want to play. <laughs> you know, some teams, you, there's like there are good defenses where it's like, oh, that's a challenge. But I think we can overcome it and I think it's going to be a good battle. And then you see one like what the dogs have now. And it's just like, man, that that, def- that defensive line just looks evil. Dude, Jordan Davis there. is a bad man. It's ridiculous. He is a ridiculous. bad man. Uh, Uyaga Lele just looked scared. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Run, run that back for me one more time. Hey, I'm saying it right. It's Uyaga Lele. Is that DJ what they were saying on the, on the broadcast? Is that what Kirk and, and Fowler were saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. I made sure to get it down. Uyaga Lele, not ukulele. Mm. <laughs> well, don't matter what his last name is, there was teeth marks on his ass all night because mm. dogs were getting after him. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, again, trying to put my analyst cap on um, here for a second. That defense is good as hell. Like, really. I mean, I, <laughs> I've i been around, again, been at Georgia the past four years, seen a lot of good teams, seen even better defenses. You know, basically the whole reason Georgia's been good the last few years is because of the defense. It's for the for basically since Kirby Smart's gotten there, been the part of the team that carries the rest. Um, but this – and again, without being too hyperbolic, it's it's one it's week one, it's one game. We got a tough UAB coming up this week as well. I'm not I'm not overlooking the the fighting dragons from Birmingham. But you know, without being hyperbolic, could potentially be the best the best defense that Kirby Smart's had um at UGA for sure. Yeah. And uh from a neutral point of view, uh that offense, I do want to hear your take on this because this was kind of a year when we thought that that was gonna be one of the better offenses that Georgia's had. I know it was against Clemson, so they're obviously you can cut them a little bit of slack, but it kind of just seemed like things are out of tune uh, from my point of view. Daniels didn't look too comfortable. It didn't. It seemed like they were kind of miscues, which it's the beginning of the year, but I just expected a little bit more efficiency this year with Todd Munkin being in his second year and seeing what we saw in the bowl season and towards the end of the season last year. What did you think about that? Well, first of all, I'll say you're right. It's Clemson. That's a, That's another thing. So I'm talking a lot of trash after the game, as you do, huge win. But every Clemson fan, like I was kind of just talking trash into the ether, you know, not particularly at anybody, but just there's a big crowd <laughs> walking out because I'm not trying to get my ass beat, you know. <laughs> so not like looking at any particular person, but just kind of saying it. But whenever a Clemson fan did like obviously hear me and turn and say something, I'd be like, real quick, real quick, oh, but yeah, hey, y'all's defense, like so good. Like it, it, cool, calm the situation. <laughs> but it's true. That, I mean – 
Brian Breesy and those boys are are Oof. right behind Georgia, really. Um, I mean, that, that front seven is as good as anybody probably except Georgia's. Um, but so, yeah, I chalk a, a good bit of a, up to Clemson's defense being good. I also chalk a lot of it up to Georgia's just missing guys. I mean, yeah. our freshman tight end, Brock Browers, who – Thrilled or Bowers? I think it's, I think it's Bowers, not Browers. Brock Bowers. Um, thrilled with how we play. We got nine targets. Like you don't throw to your freshman yeah. tight end nine times if you've got other options. Obviously missing George Pickens um, and and other and other guys missing in in the wide receiving core. But um, but again, like just really short, kind of short staffed on 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 the offense right now. Arian Smith didn't get a whole lot of looks. You know, I think. Um, and it, it's going to take some adjusting once we get these guys back healthy a little bit. But, um, but I don't want to get too, too super into the weeks on on, on Georgia um, offensive analysis because believe me, there's a billion podcasts people can go to get that that's going to do it better than us. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so solid start for the dogs elsewhere around the country. Um, Got to briefly mention um, North Carolina Virginia Tech. I'm pissed off about that man. I had. An amount of money that I didn't really want to part with on on the Tar Heels, <laughs> and you know, had Georgia lost this weekend because obviously that game was at noon or whatever or no, that, sorry, that was that was night before North Carolina Virginia Tech was the night before. Let's just say it could have been a dark weekend had the dogs not kind of rallied me there. <laughs> um, but I just what 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 are your thoughts on? I guess do we slap the fraud label on Sam Howell and the Tar Heels or or is that an overreaction? I think that's a little bit of an overreaction. I think you can slap the fraud label on that UNCO line because that was a that caused a large portion of the problems. Uh, Sam Howell also had a few balls get dropped, um, and two. I thought he threw three picks in that game. One of them was a bad play by him. The other one was guys just dropping the ball or just getting the D line getting penetration way too quickly and batting it down, batting it into another defender's hands. So I think if this offense can fix that O line. Sam Howell is going to get to back to that Sam Howell that we saw last year. I agree. I don't think they're going to be uh, as good of a team as they were last year, but they lost a lot of guys. They lost Diami Brown. They lost both of those starting running backs, I think, uh, yeah, went Carter, early in the draft. Gone. Yeah. I mean, those guys were unbelievable. And when you lose those guys, you're going to have some drop-off. But I, I don't know if I'd go so far as to call them a fraud team yet. And also, you got to give some respect to VT. That VT defense – not to the level of uh, George's, but the, de- the defense looked really nice. And, and I have, I guess I have a little bit of bias here too because my sister actually goes to VT, so I was pulling for them. But they just looked like a better team than they've had in the past. So I think you could attribute the loss to both sides, a, a UNC team that's probably weaker than we think and a VT team that I think is going to do something special this year. Well, again, talking about Sam Howell, got his stats here, 17 of 32, 53.1 completion percentage, 208 yards. Um, one touchdown and three very costly interceptions, one of them at the end of the game as they were driving to potentially tie it and force it to overtime. Um, so you're right. I don't think it's it's time to, again, make any big judgment calls. But what I do think is facts, he's not winning the Heisman now, though. Like, people had him up yeah. there, no chance. You, you, can't, no, no. you can't. You basically, in this day and age, when you got guys like, you know, Devontae Smith, and and probably Bryce Young another I know I know Devontae's been yeah. gone in the NFL but like the stat the, the the statistical season he had and the statistical season that a guy like Bryce Young is sure to have or Spencer Rattler is sure to have you can't have a game like this and win it um, but yeah hats off to VT for 
you know, dragging the rest of the ACC along, although granted one of these teams is going to do that being a conference matchup. But I think that's the other big talking point of the weekend. And listen, you and I are, if anybody's anti-ACC, I think we we get pretty close to it, um, <laughs> given given some of the relationships we have out in the world with some those other team that other team in Georgia. Um, but I guess like the big overreaction listening to to other people who know more about this than us is ACC already out of the college football race. Obviously, it was it was really only Clemson before, although. Again, if if you actually bought into the North Carolina hype, like I did, betting on them, maybe had them as a college football playoff contender, they're definitely out. Question is, is it now too late for Clemson? As crazy as that is to say after one game. Yeah, that and that's a good point because you you know that it's probably it might be that inevitable situation where you see a higher ranked Georgia and a higher ranked Bama, at least I think, in the SEC championship, and the loser of that game. Well, if they if they win the rest of their games, they're going to have an argument to take that fourth spot. And especially, especially, let's say that Georgia does lose to Bama. I don't know if that's going to happen, but if it does and they fall, you got to rank them over Clemson at that point if they're vying for that fourth spot and they both have similar records because they won the head to head. So I think, yeah, I think that a lot of their uh, um, a lot of it is out of Clemson's hands at this point, and they'll be lucky if they snag that spot. But I think some things are going to have to go in their favor. Well, you brought up a key thing right at the end there, out of their hands. Yeah, it was a crazy thought to have after one game, but it's it's true. But that is far from saying they're finished. They're going to need right some teams ahead of them to falter a little bit, and they definitely have to run the table from here on out. Yeah. Oh yeah, which is should be extremely doable for them. They won't play a team close to Georgia talent wise, really the rest of the way. They're probably going to rematch with UNC. Again, if UNC is what we think, probably that's a rematch in the ACC title game um, later on down the line. But, you know, without making this a college football prediction show, because, God, it's only week one. We've got way too much time to think about that. Um, I do think I do think Clemson is not in an ideal spot. But I did say going into this game that I, I really believe going in that – I don't want to say the game didn't matter, but I thought both teams could lose, especially Georgia could lose and it not – kill any season aspirations but um again one week let's not overthink things here yeah speaking of well not even speaking of let's we're about to overthink the hell out of the nfl coming up here with the first (laughs) matchup of the season thursday night dallas cowboys against the tampa bay buccaneers late you and i are both big nfl guys probably not as big as we are college maybe you anyway i'm like if college football is one, well then NFL's one A for me. I'm I'm that big into it, mostly fantasy. Shout out to the Browns though. That's I like I like me a good Browns win. Um, but if you put a gun to my head and said your fantasy team wins or the Browns win, I think I'm picking fantasy every time. Um, but I want to talk a little NFL before we get out of here, Lath. Um So looking ahead to Week One, that's always you know super exciting for a lot of reasons. You and I have are in, or at least I'm in a couple fantasy leagues. I know you and I are in a league that we drafted last night. You know, yeah. the excitement of fantasy draft day is done. Now everybody can focus on on the real thing coming this weekend. Um, but, and again, you don't really have a team, right? You're not a Falcons guy. No, I really don't. I just try to take the, uh, the unbiased perspective and watch all the teams. Yeah, so um, 
I want to look at a little season preview here thing since we actually this is the one sport that we're covering on this podcast that we actually made it in time to to you know look at the season <laughs> ahead before it starts. So last season, the first year of the expanded um, playoff picture in the NFL went from six teams per conference AFC, NFC, um, to to now seven. So three wild cards as opposed to two, and then a big big change is only one first round bye. But with that said, Leif, a lot of teams made the playoffs last season, and that that format is sticking again. That was I thought maybe that might have been just a COVID change, but no, that's that's how it's going from here. So looking at last year's playoff picture, no, you love that stall. I just did that that all that stall was just so I could pull up this playoff picture. It took way too long. It's really <laughs> hard to type and talk at the same time. Um, yeah. AFC Browns, Steelers, Colts, Bills, Ravens, Titans, Chiefs, NFC Rams, Seahawks, Bears, Saints. Buccaneers football team, which I think they're, are they sticking with that name? Is that are they still debating uh, it? I think they're down. I they're down to like three names. I hope they do. I kind of yeah. I kind of dig it. I fuck with it. Uh, I'm not for it because you get so used to calling these name these teams by their nicknames. Like, oh, did you see the Ravens game? Did you see the uh, the Bills game? I don't want to see it and be oh, did you see the football? Dude, I love teams? no, I love it. The football no. team, I love it. No, nah, it's funny. I, it's funny as hell. Um, which it was funny, but I I think it's a little much at this point. But and anyway, I've, you talk about getting used to. It. I've gotten used to it. I don't want to change now. Um, but anyway, <laughs> them and the Packers rounding it out. So Leif, give me somebody who made the playoffs last year that ain't making it this year because we know what happens every year. You look back at Cam Newton, the guy who got cut from the Patriots. Can you you can remember being an Auburn guy when he led the Panthers to a damn near undefeated season in a Super Bowl win? Yeah. Next season, they're out of the playoffs. A few seasons later, cut by the Panthers. Season later, out of the league. So, Leith, who um, on either side made the playoffs last year in that expanded format? Who ain't making it this year? Um, man, I I look at this, and you know, I really liked watching that uh, uh that a uh, football team, <laughs> that football team, uh, kind of a Cinderella run last year when you didn't think they were going to be as good as they were, and the defense really came together. Well, let's and be honest, that defense moves. was good. That team was not good. They benefited no. from playing yeah. in the NFC East as they somebody did. had to make the playoffs. The division winner gets a spot. But I'm with <laughs> you. I'm with you. Better than we thought. Yeah. And, and you know, they built they, they, they built off that this offseason. They made some good moves, but I don't think it's good enough. I think the rest of the teams in that division are going to rebound this year. I think it's going to be a lot more competitive um, and I think that they end up missing out uh, this next year. So who takes it from them then? I want to say, let's see, I'm making sure I don't have my divisions right. They're in the same division as the Cowboys, Yeah, you got right? Cowboys, Eagles, Giants rounding out that division. Yeah, I think Cowboys takes it from them uh, in this one. I think Cowboys are good. They're going to benefit a lot from having Dak back and having a cohesive unit. I think they could be a lot better than they have been, and that's going to edge them out. Yeah, I think it's I think it's definitely a two horse race between those two. Granted, the Giants getting Saquon back will help, uh, and yeah. then the Eagles are just hot garbage again. Arsenal, Barca, yeah. whatever you want to call them, trash. So, um, <laughs> okay, okay, I can see that. I've got a couple. I've got one for the AFC, one for the NFC. Um, I'll share. I'll start. I'll start with the NFC here with you. I actually think the New Orleans Saints, who again won, hard to believe, given that the Buccaneers ended up winning the Super Bowl. The Saints won that division 
last year. The Bucks were a wild card team going into mm-hmm. that because the Saints, mm-hmm. with a banged up Drew Brees playing with a punctured lung for half the season, um, <laughs> filling in Taysom Hill coming and filling in. But now they've got. Now he he's a bit of a meme. Some guys in my mm-hmm. fantasy league joked. I joked about drafting famous Jameis with the first overall pick in my fantasy draft. But in all seriousness, I think he really is due for a big bounce back season. If you can remember his last season with the Buccaneers as a starter, led the league in touchdown passes. Now he also led the league in interceptions. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, listen, you know, it's 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 easier to drop the interceptions, I think, than add the touchdowns, if that makes sense. Like if you got a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater ain't ever throwing for forty five touchdowns. But maybe you can yeah. get Jameis to to cut the picks back, you know. Sat behind <laughs> Drew Brees for a little bit, learn from him. Sean Payton and that offense is going to get him going again. But again, I'm here boosting the Saints. I don't think it's going to be enough, though. You got Michael Thomas, who's just fucking around. Like, could have, I, I think the story <laughs> is like, could have had foot surgery in like, you know, March and been way ready um, for the season to start, but instead waits until, I think, you know, late summer and now is going to miss several weeks. Um, but I don't, I don't think, I think the Falcons got better. The Panthers maybe got better. We'll have to see with Sam Darnold. And then the Bucs are the Bucs. I think this is the Bucs division to lose. But I think the Saints get knocked out because they'll be in wild card contention, but the 49ers are going to beat them to it. Um, get Jimmy G back healthy, who was announced today will be the starting quarterback ahead of Trey Lance. Um, you know, Kittle coming into the season fully healthy was banged up a good bit last year. Um, added our guy Trey Sermon, who Lath and I actually you know played against in high school. Um, yeah. which is a weird, weird thing to watch a dude yeah. your age in the NFL. Um, oh, yeah. But 49ers got better. I think that division is going to be brutal with the Seahawks, oh. Rams, and Cardinals. I mean, that's been the best division in football for a little bit, and it somehow got even better because I don't think any team got worse. Um, the Rams mm-hmm. definitely got better adding Stafford. Seahawks kind of stayed the same, and Cardinals, if anything, maybe got a little better adding old-ass A.J. Green. But – I'm with it. I think I think the 49ers make the playoffs and that push the, pushes the Saints out. Um, and do you have another one, or should I go ahead and drop my drop my second one? No, that's good. I like that take too. I think 49ers are going to be slept on. I think you're right. They were missing a lot of pieces, and you know, I I think very highly of Kyle Shanahan too. I think he's going to get right the ship this year. Yeah, you, you got to remember they're they're you know however many years, two years removed from a from a Super Bowl appearance. Yeah. Um, and a game they were in with the Chiefs. I don't think anybody would deny that the Chiefs were the better team in that game. But listen, they got Jimmy G back in back in the saddle, as they say, healthy again. Let's let's see what they got. I think they're a playoff team. Um, then on the other side, keep this one a little bit shorter because it's a whole lot simpler explanation for me. Chargers in, Steelers out. Big Ben probably should have retired last year, but giving it one more go, I just don't think that defense is mean. T.J. Watt, certified baller, like better than his brother at this point. Probably Ben better than than JJ for the past year or so, but got a good defense. Offense just straight up not good enough with Big Ben. And they've got nobody else behind behind Ben to, to help move that offense along should something happen to him or him just not play well enough. Then the Chargers, hot team, really found somebody, I think, um, with Justin Herbert last year. All this talk about Austin Eckler, who I did draft number one overall in both my fantasy leagues, so maybe I'm a little biased here. I'm hoping the Chargers are a better team. Um, but they feel like a team on the rise coming out of – a division with the Chiefs. I don't think they're going to win the division, but I think a wild card spot um, should be relatively easy to come by. Plus, I think the Steelers are fighting for a wild card spot as well, with the Browns and Ravens also in that division, um, and the Bengals getting a healthy Joe Burrow back. So, 
All right, with that said, like before we get into our top games and picks, we're coming up on about an hour, so we'll try to get out of here here in the next few minutes. But I'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit of fantasy football. Um, I know that's, for me, one of the biggest reasons I keep up with this sport. For you, that may be the main reason you keep up with this sport. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as I, as I mentioned earlier in the pod, Lath and I are in a fantasy league together. High school league, been going on for years. Kind of on life support, though, at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Um, a little sad, a little bit, a little bit, you know, just guys grow up, man. You know, yeah. uh, people, people move away, you know, is what it is, but that's arguably, you could argue that's when it's most important to have a reason to keep up with these guys. Um, and so, you, you know, what? like, that's why I like doing this podcast, man. Cause I just miss, miss hanging out with you. So we'll, <laughs> uh, wipe the tears off the microphone here though. But anyway, oh, yeah. in this fantasy league, albeit not nearly the stakes that it used to be. Um, I will confess I'm in another league with my college buddies who, it's extremely competitive. I would, I would go zero and sixteen, whatever, in our fantasy league with me and Lath to win this other one. But that doesn't mean that I don't want to beat Lath's ass when we play each other. So that will be a point of contention on the show, for sure. But you sent me Lath while I was at work. Um, went to the bathroom to go look at my trade or not my trade, my draft grade from. We're using the NFL draft host like the nfl network hosting site and lay talking shit because what'd you get Did you get an a on your grade somehow okay i don't know if i i mean most of that was to kind of show just how broken i think this is but yeah i, I got an a plus on my grade and they projected my team to go 15 and 0 which is just absolutely absurd there's no way if it, if it works out great but I, <laughs> I i know you'll agree that that's not realistic well yeah it, it hyped you up saying that one of the strengths of your team is your damn defense um, yeah, that was ridiculous. Now let's talk real fast without getting – again, there's nothing nobody cares about less than somebody else's fancy team, but madness <laughs> going on in this draft that we had. Again, not a super competitive league for the viewer. We got one of our buddy's dads in there whose team name is the Gym Teachers because that's what he is. Um, <laughs> we got guys we don't even know in it. You know, we got we got a lot of stuff. But we got – there was defenses going before somebody like Tyler Boyd. Yeah, that, ridiculous. Like a defense, maybe the whole year if you're lucky. Seventeen games. May, if you're lucky, your defense averages nine points. So you're talking, you know, talking less than 150 points. So what? Like Tyler, a mid mid ass wide receiver is getting more than that. It just doesn't doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, yes. If you know, if the if the league was won before week one, Lath would be our champ with the uh, A plus the A plus grade. But Apparently, he's not satisfied with his team, though, because you said, Lath, that you sent me a trade request, and I have yet to look at it. Told you I would react <laughs> live on the pod to whatever blasphemy this is. Um, who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll be impressed, <laughs> but let's, let's take a look here. So, Nathan, um, team name AFC Richmond, shout out Ted Lasso. Um, did you get that? Have you watched that yeah, show? Yeah, I did. I did. I had not watched the show, but I know enough about it to understand the reference. Yeah, That's so... So, I, again, we don't know some of these guys in my league. Um, I don't know how many people may have gotten that reference, but it's a huge show. I'm sure plenty of people did. But let's see. AFC Richmond receives Damian Harris and Zach Moss. Gimmelstump. What is that? Is that some German garbage? <laughs> no. Uh, what is your team name? <laughs> what is that? That looks like uh, a disease you don't want in your no. undercarriage region. <laughs> I bet you could guess all day and you would never know what it is. I mean, hold on. Because what pops into my head is ask your doctor about Gimmelstump for treatment. For, like, that's <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's not quite it. 
Okay. It well, does involve doctors, though. I'll give you that. What is it? <laughs> it's actually the hometown of Dr. Heinz Dupensmertz. Oh, my God. Hit verb. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Gimel Stump. Yeah, you're right. I would, there was no chance. Yeah. There was no chance, I was guessing. I was going to go, you know, actually, I'm not going to say that on a podcast. But I, w- I was I was going to go something else before that. Um, but all right, so AFC Richmond, Nathan receives Damian Harris and Zach Moss. Lath receives Miles Gaskin and Michael Carter. Hmm. I'm not in, immediately going to burn it. I'll tell you, I I will, I'll consider that. Um I'll tell you, Zach Moss is a guy that I have in my other league, a guy that I like. Um, you know, I obviously picked Michael Carter for a reason, granted with my, like, you know, really late pick, um, but rookie running back at, in New York. So, yeah, we'll see. I won't I won't give too much of my analysis in front of your face here. Um, <laughs> we got to keep that close to the vest. But not ridiculous. All right, before we get out of here, that's fantasy. Let's get back to reality. Top football American style games of the weekend. Let's go rapid fire here real quick. Lath. Number 12, Oregon at Ohio State. Who you got? I got Ohio State. Uh, I don't think Oregon didn't look too impressive in their debut. New quarterback. Uh, I think the new quarterback for both teams, I think Ohio State wins it. Ohio State going to cover? 14-point favorites? Uh, yeah, I think they do. I think they do. Like, right on that. Yeah, I'm right with you. I got 38-24 right on the line. Me and Vegas agree on that one. All right, number 10, Iowa at number 9, Iowa State. Game day going to be there in lovely Ames, Iowa, home of the Cyclones. I actually wasn't positive which of the Iowa teams was in Ames, but it is the Cyclones. Um, rough week one for Iowa State. Held on to a win against a bad University of Northern Iowa team, whereas I- Iowa, Iowa um, went and beat Indiana and Michael Penix, who has the best last name in college football. Um <laughs> But Lath, I'm thinking 27-21 Iowa, but I'm I really could see it going either way. Spread is Iowa State minus four. I think in years past, or last year for sure, I would have said Iowa State. I don't think they have the passing game this year, and Iowa always had brings that strong defense. You stop Brees Hall, you win this game. So I'm going with Iowa. Yeah, Kirk Ferentz and the boys, they're gonna get after him, but we'll see. All right, and lastly, rounding out the college slate, Washington at Michigan, primetime ABC. Um, that's where Kirk will be flying off to after the Ames trip. I got 32 to 20 Michigan. I'm generally so against the Wolverines because take that I'll take with me to my grave is that John Harbaugh is the biggest, excuse me, Jim, John, great coach, actually Super Bowl champion, Jim Harbaugh, <laughs> biggest fraud of all time. If, if Michigan had any sense at all, they'd have fired him by now. So I'm a big yeah. Michigan hater. But they looked kind of good week one, and Washington really didn't. Now, good for Michigan. I'm not going to say actually good, but better than usual. And Washington, let's not forget, lost to a FCS. Are they even FCS? Or is that the same thing as North Dakota State? It's like that same league, whatever that is. But Montana, to be fair, is like the goat of that. Like I've, I've seen Montana and James Madison play back in the day. It was a great game. Like Good players play for those teams. Um, you know, but I'm but seeing the Michigan worse, win. The, nothing worse than paying a team to come and then beat you. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. I think Michigan looks a lot better this year. They finally found a quarterback, it looks like. I don't know. Might be too quick of a judgment, but I, I think this is a game that they'll at least be able to handle pretty well. Yeah, let's not forget, we also thought – I kind of thought the same thing about Milton last year, and now he's at Tennessee, so we know how well that worked out as a quarterback at Michigan for them. But to the NFL – 
start with Steelers at the Bills. Um, what you got there? Uh, I'm going to go with the Bills, mostly because they are kind of the core of my fantasy team. I got Josh and Stephon Diggs, so I think Bills are really, really good. I really, really like McDermott, and as much as I like, or as much as I think highly of the Steelers, I think the Bills edges this one out. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, not a huge margin because at the end of the day, everybody in the NFL is that good. I think 26-17 Bills. That would be a cover for those of you interested. Um, Browns at Chiefs. My Brownies rematch um, from the really close, closer than people thought playoff matchup from last season. Um, what you what you thinking there, Lay? I think I like – mm, I'm really tempted to go Browns, but not yet. Browns will make the playoffs. Browns will be a good team. Chiefs get it down to week one. I'm thinking 27-24 Chiefs. I think it's a bigger margin than that, and the reason because the Chiefs really reloaded that offensive line this offseason because that was an obvious concern, and as good as that Browns defensive line is, I think it's not going to make the difference that it did maybe in the previous game. So I think the the Chiefs win by 10 points or more. All right, and finally, send us home late with Packers at Saints in Jacksonville due to Hurricane. Which one are we on now? That's bad. I should know that. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to say Irma, but that's that's been a while since that one. But Packers at Saints, Jacksonville, thirty-one twenty-one. Packers for me, Lath, quick. Uh, I'm going Packers. I think that they're a better team, straight up. Straight up. All right, that's Week One, Episode One of the Away Days Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Stick around in the future. Should get a lot better. Who knows? Maybe it'll get worse. We'll see you later.